And welcome to the Kill Your Gods podcast. I am Jesse Dram. I am a comedian. I talk about shit I find interesting. Sometimes it's books. Sometimes it's not. Right now, it's books. Specifically, Haruki Murakami's Kafka on the Shore. This is part four of five. We will be reading chapters 31 to 40. The guest this week, there is no guest this week. Guys, I tried so fucking hard. You know what I think the problem is, is obviously this podcast started as the I Hate Infinite Jest podcast, which is known for having a very outspoken fan base. They love talking about their favorite book and getting in on it. Not so much with this book. This this book seems to really enrapture some humble, meek people. I messaged about 30 people specifically for this book, I, this episode. I wanted to get people on who are also fans of the K-pop phenomenon BTS which is stands for for boys tango sloppy style. Uh, they're a Korean boy band, but one of their rappers. I don't understand these newfangled boy bands. Back in my day, you had your bass. Yeah, you, <laughs> you had you had your two tenors who were the front men, like your JC and your Justin, and then you had your two background guys like your Kevins or your Howies, and then you had your ugly one, like your Joey or your Chris. Nowhere in there did you need a fucking rapper. Come on. White people rapping is embarrassing enough. I don't need cotton candy-haired adorable twink boys doing that. This is already going off the rails without a fucking guest. Point is, in one of the songs, very popular songs by BTS, Butterfly, the rapper of the band, uh, R.M., I think his name stands for Rap Monster, which is just... Uh, also known as Namjoon, he does a rap in part of the song where he references Kafka on the Shore, which I will now play now via my phone, so I don't have to take this down for copyright reasons, and I will translate as I go. Uh, from my heart of air... Oh. Okay, that was way too quick. I'm going to try it again with the volume down. So, if this must pass... 
as though it hadn't happened. I'm scared, scared, scared I'll lose you, baby. The small pieces gutter down duckly from my heart of barren noise. I don't know if this is reality or a dream. My Kafka on the seaside. Don't go to those woods over there. My heart is still shattering on you. I just wanted to vaporize like this. And somewhere, uh, a socially maladjusted 13-year-old is feeling feelings in her heart and nether regions. So I wanted to get somebody on that would talk about this. But again, very meek people. There's a bunch of things online of like, like Namjoon reads this. You should read this book. Twitter accounts. I reached out to all of them. They all got back and said like, I don't think I'd be the right person for this. I just, I don't know. I'm not very confident in my ability. And that's why I retweet factoids about this young twink 37 times a day and his book likes. I eventually just gave up because I'm getting married in five days and I have enough problems in my life that hunting down a K-pop slash Murakami fan all in one, like I put a lot of effort into it, but it wasn't enough. So we're getting a rare, this is just going to be the whole episode. It's going to be this intro right into this. We're going to wrap up the book next week with Seamus Millar and then we're going to do music month. Yeah, we're going to do a new metal episode. We're going to do another pop punk episode. I think we're going to dig the shit out of Bruce Springsteen. Because as somebody from New Jersey, fuck Bruce Springsteen. Ugh. Well, I came from a middle class family. But I sing songs for the working class. They're all too dumb to get out of their hometowns. And they secretly hate Clarence. What are you doing in my neighborhood, Clarence Saxophone Man? Yes, not just Springsteen sucks. Springsteen fans are garbage. So I'm going to find uh, somebody who's a big fan. I'm going to bring them on. I'm going to do what this podcast does best and say, Hey, fuck you, you idiot. I don't like doing solo episodes. My brain gets ahead of me and my vile side just comes out. Um, I don't have any shows coming up. Again, I'm getting married. That's the important thing. I'm really looking forward to it. I, I love my fiance. I cannot wait for her to be my wife. You're probably going to have to deal with some Game of Thrones episodes while we're gone. Just because uh, I got other shit going on. So, But yeah, if you like the podcast, share, like subscribe again these are the last two episodes where oh yeah um if you're hearing this and you're in philadelphia tomorrow probably the date this is being released uh april 26th i will be at the raven lounge at nine o'clock taking part in a musical roast battle against my nemesis jay simpson so come check that out that's going to be really awesome we'll probably have video up of that but uh yeah again if you're in the philadelphia area roughly nine o'clock you can come early, check out a live do-rag and deer tag. I'm probably going to have deer tag himself, Drew Montana, on this podcast. Because uh, this this hip-hop loving little white boy thinks the Beatles suck. And uh, I, I think I need to give him a talking to. Need to give him a talking to. So, with all that out of the way, let's do our recap. Chapter 31. Kafka takes coffee up to Miss Saiki's office. 
He studies her carefully for a sign that she remembers the night before, but she doesn't seem to. If you recall in the previous episode, he uh, had sex with Miss Saiki, but it seemed like she was sleepwalking. As they chat, she says that she believes that location of birth and death are very important. Kafka asks if she returned to Takamatsu so she could die there, and she responds that she isn't sure herself. In a rush, Kafka reveals the rest of his theory. He says he believes his father wanted to die because he was in love with Miss Saiki. And after she left the family, delivered the prophecy that Kafka would murder him and sleep with Miss Saiki and his sister. Miss Saiki seems surprised. She asks if she knows Kafka's father, and he repeat, repeats that it's just a theory. Yeah, so she wrote a book about uh, people who had been struck by lightning, and Kafka's father happened to have been struck by lightning, so maybe, possibly. Then, Miss Saiki asks Kafka if he desires her, and he responds that he does. Not just in theory, but in reality. She gently points out their age difference. When Kafka tells her he's in love with her, she asks him to leave. He goes to leave, but turns back and tells her he feels as if he's getting closer to a distant truth. Miss Psyche responds that she's simply waiting for death, having wasted so much of her life wandering pointlessly. She knows that she is ready for death and can picture when death will come. Kafka asks if Miss Psyche will sleep with him, and more firmly, she tells him to leave. Kafka, shooting his shot. Mm. I don't want to blow my load, pun intended, entirely on just this one chapter, but I do want to talk a little bit about uh, seducing and being seduced by an older woman. Because if you haven't, I don't care if you're a man or woman, somewhere in between, gay or straight, hook up with an older lady. Going by, no less an authority than Benjamin Franklin actually wrote in one of his atlases. Somebody wrote in and said, should I have an affair with an older woman or a younger woman? And Ben Franklin pretty much wrote in like, definitely go for the older woman. For one thing, below the neck, they're pretty much the same. They got the same body. He had a weird theory that women, or well, people in general, but specifically women, aged from the head down. So, in other words, the face got old first, but, like, that body was still just, mm-mm, And then from there, the tits and the belly button and then the fupa and so on. And, and then he followed it off with, by the way, the other reason to have an older mistress, they're so appreciative. History is so goddamn perverted, and I love it. Go read the biography of Benjamin Franklin. That evening, Kafka and Oshima have dinner together. Kafka talks about the difficulty of being in love, and Oshima agrees. He says that anyone who falls in love is looking for a missing piece of themselves, and so being in love is naturally a little sad. That night, Miss Saiki, the real one, comes into Kafka's room. This time, she doesn't seem to be sleepwalking. She looks at the painting on Kafka's desk and tells him that she remembers when it was painted, when she and her boyfriend were 12. Miss Saiki takes Kafka down to the beach, and they sit at the spot where the picture was painted. Kafka says he was there at the time. As if he is really her long-lost boyfriend, Miss Saiki asks him why he had to die. They return to Kafka's room and have sex. Get it, Kafka. Unlike the night before, Miss Saiki cries afterwards. This happens from time to time. Nothing you can do about it. And this time, Kafka hears her car pull out of the driveway. As a crow calls in the distance, Kafka thinks that everyone in the world is living in a dream. Dream, 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 dream. Okay, next chapter, 32. Nakata, oh god, by the way, when I was looking up the, the BTS connections to uh, Kafka on the Shore, most of them I was looking up for had Nakata misspelled as Takana, just showing that, like, none of these kids had actually done any reading. They just, I don't know, maybe that's autocorrect. 
Nakata is still unsure what actually must be done with the entrance stone. As they're discussing this, Nakata tells Hishino he feels like an empty container. He didn't just lose his memories, he lost every part of himself in the coma. It's important to keep in mind the advice of Hashino's grandfather. Life is made meaningful by chance encounters. A better way, better person who said that was Kurt Vonnegut, who said, uh, strange travel instructions are God's dancing lessons. Yeah, so take, take the random and the chance. That's the, the universe telling you what to do. Outside, a thunderstorm gathers. Nakata says the stone is the entrance to a world he briefly visited during his coma. But now he is afraid of what will happen once the entrance stone is open, but it must be done. However, the stone seems to have become impossibly heavy since the night before. It takes Ashino every ounce of his strength to slowly flip it over. While he's collapsed on the floor, recovering, Nakata says they have opened the entrance successfully. So by flipping the stone, something important has happened, and Nakata is coming back with the world he visited while he was in the coma, where he left part of himself, half of his shadow, apparently. 33. Kafka takes the morning off from work at the library to work out at the gym and puzzle through his relationship with Miss Psyche. The boy named Crow tells Kafka he's trapped in the relationship as well as his new life in the library. Back at the library, Oshima comments on the fact that Kafka took all of his possessions with him to the gym in his big backpack, which he says is like a symbol of freedom for Kafka. Oshima warns him that true freedom and independence are unlikely to be achievable. Kafka brings Miss Psyche some coffee, and she asks about his trip to the gym. He says he wants to become stronger, because he has no one to rely on but himself. Like a stray crow, which is why he chose the name Kafka, which means crow in Czech. Kafka turns the conversation back to the book about lightning strikes, and Miss Psyche says firmly she never met Kafka's father. Miss Psyche brings up the night before, and she thinks she might be making up for lost time. Kafka says that he is too, in the sense he's trying to make up for his damaged goods. That night, they sleep together again. Get it, Kafka! Clap that middle age. Mm, yeah, he's in a crater where he is no more. That crater between Miss Psyche's thighs. Whoop, whoop. Did I mention I've been drinking? Chapter 34. In the hotel room, Nakata settles into a long nap. While he sleeps, Hoshino wanders the city, eventually finding himself in a nice coffee shop. Thinking about how little he's accomplished in life, he suddenly has a vague sense of himself as unreal or meaningless. Yet he has a strange feeling that he belongs with Nakata and that he's making the right choices by being with him. The shop proprietor asks Sashino if the music in the cafe is bothering him. He realizes he actually enjoys it very much, and the shop owner says it's Beethoven's Archduke Trio. Listening to the music, Hoshina thinks back to the joy of his childhood and realizes he's been leading a meaningless existence. He thinks it must be possible to change direction even now. Decisively, he realizes he doesn't care about his job. All that matters is helping Nakata. I'm actually going to go pull up the Archduke Trio, because I've never heard it, and let's hear Okay, here we have it. I have pulled up. This is Beethoven's Archduke Trio. I'm sorry, that was actually Cannibal Corpse's Entrails Ripped from a Virgin's Cunt. My mistake. Give me one second. So, uh, here's something funny about this. Literally every single comment to this video is about Kafka on the shore. The first one saying, thank you, Mr. Hoshino. Um, yeah, Mr. Hoshino, thank you for the wonderful trip. Uh, I have to rush here before the stone closes its entrance. More and more musical stuff. What the fuck do you know? Um, da -da 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 -da. 
35. Oshima wakes Kafka up with an early morning phone call and tells him to gather his things. On the drive, Oshima explains the police are intensifying their search, so he's taking Kafka back to the cabin. They've traced the murder to an old man from Nakano, who traveled from there to Takamatsu. He also thinks it's best if Kaka and Sai Kafka, Kafka, not Kaka, and Miss Saiki spend some time apart. Cock block. Oshima knows they've been sleeping together and is worried because he believes Miss Saiki has lost the will to live. Listen, as somebody who slept with quite a few ladies, I think it's just natural that they lose the will to live after sleeping with me. Um, fuck. That started off as a joke and then I had sad thoughts happen. Uh, the very first person to engage with oral sex with me died six months later of a brain aneurysm. Yeah. This is why I do stand-up comedy, people. Because life is fucking grim. I really hope the Laskowski family doesn't listen to this podcast. I do. She's more than just that. She was a good friend of mine. That's uh, whew, I went and made myself sad. Chapter 36. Colonel Sanders calls Hoshino at the hotel and tells him to re... She died on my 18th birthday, by the way. And tells him to relocate to an apartment that the colonel has rented in the city. Hoshino wakes Nakata up and they make their way to the apartment. Here they discuss the murder of Johnny Walker. Nakata says he no longer wants to give himself up to the police because he believes he must fulfill the mission of closing the entrance stone. Hoshino and Nakata go for a walk on the beach. They talk about the creatures living on the ocean floor. Nakata explains now that the entrance stone is open, something has begun to happen, and when it ends, they must close the entrance. Yet he doesn't know what that thing is. And now he worries that he's gotten Hashina in trouble with the police. But Mr. Hashino brushes this off. He says he feels like he's in the right place, because with Nakata, he never gets bored. So let that be a lesson to you young people everywhere. If you're with someone who is violent and crazy, and always get you in trouble, but you're never bored, it's meant to be. That's, that's the, that's the Manson, fam, Manson family ethos. Like, hey man, Charlie might be on some real trips with Helter Skelter and this free love thing, but I tell you what, I'm having a good time. I'm having a pretty, I haven't had one lazy Friday night since Uncle Charlie came into my life. It has been orgies and stabbings, Ever since when I get to the bottom, I go back to the top of the slide. Whitey's escaping you down the slide. This solo episode is not a good idea. Oshima and Kafka arrive at the cabin, where Oshima reiterates that he thinks it would be best for Kafka and Miss Saiki to spend some time apart. Kafka reluctantly agrees, but says it's difficult not knowing whether they will see each other again and whether she shares his intense feelings. Oshima says that being in love means dealing with those doubts alone. At the same time that Kafka gets to feel the wonderful emotions of being in love, he must also, quote, wander through the dark by himself. As Oshima is leaving, he reiterates his warning to Kafka not to wander into the woods. He says that right before World War II, a couple of soldiers disappeared in these woods during a training exercise. No one knows if they got lost or deserted. Oshima goes on to say that the forest is like another world paralleling their own. It's easy to step in, but not so easy to step out. He likens the woods to a labyrinth. So we get the origins of a labyrinth here, which I never knew. I thought it was just a movie about puppets and uh, Jennifer Connelly having weird thoughts for an older man and David Bowie's prestigious, prodigious pecker. 
package. Ancient Mesopotamians, he says, would inspect the complicated labyrinth-like shapes of animal and human intestines to try to predict the future. In that way, the concept of the labyrinth is within Kafka, as well as the woods outside. Stepping into the woods is like stepping into the labyrinth within him. With that warning, Oshima departs. That night, Kafka thinks about Miss Psyche. Crow points out that while Kafka is little more than a child, full of questions and misconceptions about the world, Miss Psyche has experience and emotions he can't even imagine. Thinking about this makes Kafka hate being 15. He wishes he could transcend his age and body and zoom like a crow to where she is, or that she would appear for real or as a ghost in the cabin. But he remains alone and eventually drifts off to sleep. All right. Let's talk some weird shit here. Uh, hooking up with older ladies. I've, I've done it a few times. I remember when I was 20, I hooked up with a 36-year-old, and then I was 22, I hooked up with like a 43-year-old. But that in of itself was very weird. I hooked up with my boss's daughter, who, uh, despite being much, much older than me, had been raised very religious, and then told me I was only the fourth guy she had ever slept with. And I think she was my 11th. So it was a very, very weird balance. Uh, she taught me some things. It was interesting. It's very interesting. If nothing, This might sound sleazy, and it is a little bit. But honestly, I always had trouble. As a young man, I was very much a romantic. I fell in love with people. I always want... I don't know why I said people, women. Um... I always wanted that relationship, which even in like casual relationships, I tend to be very affectionate. I like holding hands. I like being sweet, kisses on the cheek, and that can send mixed signals from time to time. But that kind of, it, it kind of fucked me up as I got older. Cause I realized now looking back, I wish I had had more casual, fun, sexual relationships. But when I was engaging with somebody, if I did not have true emotions for them, I felt genuine, like, Catholic guilt that uh, I wasn't, like, crazy head over heels for them. Like, I was leading them on. And I think this older woman, this older woman was separated from her husband. She wasn't looking to fucking date me, you know? It was just weird. Oh, you want to talk something fucking weird? Uh, we worked together. Again, she was my boss's daughter. And when the husband would come in with the kids, I was always buddy-buddy with him. Hey. And then, like, I knew they had split up. That's when she and I hooked up. And then, like, a month or two later, fucking in comes John. He's like, hey, Jess, how you doing? Like, yeah, I told him it was fucking your wife. I mean, hi, John. Uh, oh, fuck. I think his name's actually John. I was trying to make up a name. God, this was so long ago. My point is, don't be afraid to be casual. Tell people where you stand. It's not a bad thing to hurt people a little bit as long as you... Don't mislead them. That was my whole thing. Because I hated the feeling of like engaging with someone and then finishing and then being like, oh, I don't want to be around this person. Because I felt like I owed it to them to be around and, you know, cuddle or whatever. But looking back now, it could have been like, all right, well, let's go out for a fucking drink or let's go somewhere else. Like, we don't need to be in love. We're just fucked another good time. I should be fine. But these are things you learn as you get older. So if you're a younger person listen to this i would say be a little more adventurous with your sexuality you you have to go pretty hard to regret something you've done mostly you regret stuff you didn't do so says this 34 year old man about to get married i hope 
talking about sex stuff doesn't make people seem think I'm apprehensive about marriage. I'm not. I have been ready to get married for... I, I was hoping to meet my future wife the last few years, and I got lucky and I did. And I'm looking forward to that. I'm looking forward to closing the door forever, hopefully. Fingers crossed. Prenup withstanding. We're not doing a prenup. But, uh... I'm not regret. I'm not having any like oh, I wish I should go out and get laid or anything like that. But it's what me and Perry have talked about a few times is like, oh, are you nervous about the wedding? It's always been like I'm nervous, but not in any like I shouldn't be doing this or you're the wrong person kind of way. I'm just nervous in, in that I am doing a big thing, and I'm I'm feeling the appropriate feelings of a big life changing thing. That doesn't make them bad. They're not negative. If you're, well, you're nervous, like, oh my god, is this really working out? It's not like that even a little bit. But you find yourself navel-gazing a little bit. And again, I'm thinking about closing the door on my bachelorhood. And I'm ready for that. But, you know, the thoughts come up. Long story short, fuck old ladies. They're so appreciative. Chapter 38. At Nakata's request, Hashino rents a car. While Nakata consults with the entrance... Hold on, I'm going to timestamp that. Hoshino rents a car. While Nakata consults with the entrance stone about what to do next, Hoshino listens to a CD of the Archduke Trio over and over. By the way, that clip, that song is 45 minutes long. Fuck, and I thought my prog rock bullshit was long. He's amazed. Before a few days ago, he had no interest in classical music, and now he finds it deeply beautiful and affecting. He's surprised that he is capable of such a change and wonders what other art he might grow to like. The next morning, they set out in the rental car. Nakata is still unsure of their destination, so they drive methodically around the city, gazing out the windows. Hours pass and they grow weary, but seem no closer to finding their location. The next day is the same. As they head back to the apartment and defeat, Hashino realizes they're in an unfamiliar, elegant residential area. They stop outside a gate with a sign reading Kamora Memorial Library. Nakata realizes that this is the place they've been looking for. So we finally have it. Nakata and Kafka are in the same geographic space. The place where Kafka was living until very recently. So, rise in tension, y'all. 39. On his second day in the cabin, Kafka feels restless. He can't seem to shake thoughts of Miss Saiki. After working out and listening to music, he ventures into the woods. He arrives at the clearing where the trees grow more dense, like a labyrinth, and decides to forge ahead. Trying to make himself feel afraid, he ventures into the dark forest until he isn't sure how to get back. A crow squawks in warning. Somehow, he stumbles back to the clearing. That night, Kafka wishes Miss Psyche would appear, but again, she does not. Instead, he has a vivid dream about Sakura, our, our old handjob on the train, pal. I don't know. They're obviously Miss Psyche is following some mother role for him, but we don't know who the sister is. Is the sister uh, Sakura? Is the sister Oshima, who is a trans man, but, you know, this was back in the 90s, so who's to say? He has a vivid dream about Sakura, so realistic he wonders if it might be reality. In the dream, Kafka slips into bed with Sakura, who's deep asleep. A crow calls loudly, but he can't see it. As he begins to touch Sakura, he feels something within him struggling to break out of its shell. Feeling as if he can't control himself, he begins to have sex with Sakura. She wakes up and tells him to stop and get out of her dream. She says she's his sister and it's wrong for them to have sex. But he says it's too late and that he's already decided to have sex with her. Rape. I, can't, I was going to say rapey. No, that's just dream rape. Uh, 
Crow chimes in, telling Kafka that Kafka wants to feel in control. Because he's already killed his father and slept with his mother. All that remains is to sleep with his sister, fulfill the prophecy as he's doing now. It's the only way to be free of the prophecy is to fulfill it and to go on living as he wants to. As he continues having sex with Sakura, Kafka feels as if he's in the forest, trying to remember the shape of the trees and find his way back, but it's impossible. He orgasms and wakes up, feeling incredibly alone. Crow says that the thing inside Kafka, a dark shadow, has revealed itself. So, some lines from the book itself that I highlighted, where it's like, Ugh, my erection's not letting up. So rigid, it looks like it'll last forever. <laughs> Wowza. I slip off her small cotton panties, taking my time to get them down her legs and off. I rest my palm against her pubic hair, gently letting my finger go in deeper. It's wet. Invitingly wet. Gross! Slowly I move my finger. Still she doesn't wake. God, he's just... It's a dream, but dude, you shouldn't... Finger... God. Have I mentioned a solo episode was a bad idea? Um... She covers her face with her hands and cries a little. You feel sorry for her, but there's no way you're going to leave her body. Take it out, and let's pretend this never happened. I can forget it, and so should you. I'm your sister, you're my brother. Even if we're not blood-related, we're most definitely brother and sister. So just... Rapey, rapey. She's... Rapey, rapey, eggs and bakey. She says, I understand. I won't say anymore, but I want you to remember something. You're raping me. I like you, but this isn't how I want it to be. We might never see each other again, no matter how much we want to meet later on. Is that, Are you okay with that? Uh, he puts, I come and I wake up. I'm in bed alone in the middle of the night. I get out of bed, strip off my underpants, go over to the kitchen, and rinse the semen off of them. Gooey, white, and heavy, like some illegitimate child born out of the darkness. I don't think young K-pop... <laughs> RM, I, don't th I think you're a little too young. To be reading this, maybe when your hair turns a natural color instead of cotton candy, stripper, high-heeled shoes, electric blue, maybe then you'll be okay to read some of this. But I don't I don't like the ideas RM Namjoon is getting from this book. So say I, RMSR, that is RM Senior. What a bad, bad episode. <laughs> Chapter 40. Since it's, uh, I don't know, before we go too far, that's, uh, I don't know how to discuss any of that for multiple reasons. Ob obviously, I think if this piece of media came out right now, that rape scene would be very, I mean, it, it is very bad. But uh, number one, I don't know the context of it in the 90s. I don't know how it was received then. Number two, the way that it's presented in a dream makes it very hard to... I mean, it's already fiction. Putting it in a dream adds another layer of separation to that. Uh, three, obviously, as a man and an actual man, not a dream woman. I don't, I don't know how to do that. And number four or five, I already lost track. I don't know what the cultural mores are about this in Japan. I mean, obviously, rape is bad, but I've heard they've had issues with, like, uh, train groping and... Issues about speaking out. Sexual assault is treated very differently there. So I, I'm going to throw up my hands and say, gosh, that was weird. Chapter 40. Since it's Monday, the Komura Memorial Library is closed. But Hashino and Nakata return the next morning. Oshima greets them at the door. Where it's, and is this what it's like when worlds collide? 
Are you ready to go? Cause I'm ready to go. I would sing this song actually, but my throat hurts. They settle down to read. Oshima and Hoshino begin to discuss Beethoven. And Hoshino asks Oshima if they believe music has the power to change people. Oshima replies that he believes it can, like falling in love. They agree that such experiences are important to our lives. In the afternoon, Nakata and Hoshino join Miss Saiki's tour of the library. After the brief tour, they settle back in to read, but Nakata suddenly ascends the step steps to Miss Saiki's private office, ignoring Oshima's protestations. Nakata tells Miss Saiki that he wants to talk about the entrance stone, which, as you'll recall, is a lyric in the Kafka on the Shore song. She gives a slight nod, and Oshima and Hoshino leave the pair alone in her office. And that is it for this week. Uh, next week, we have the thrilling conclusion, I, I'm guessing I haven't finished it yet, to Kafka on the Shore. Again, I have enjoyed this book so far. I refuse the right to say I hate it forever and ever if it does not stick this landing. There's only 90 pages left, and I don't know what the fuck the resolution's going to be in this. I mean... He has murdered his father. He has not only fucked his mother, he has fucked a jailbait version of her. And now he has dream raped his sister, but not really his sister. There's a bunch of shit going on. I don't know. But uh, I hope you've enjoyed this week's extra short version. We'll be back with Seamus Millar next week. I think we're going to do some Game of Thrones episodes, and then we're going to do some music episodes. Um, wish me fucking luck. I'm going to go get married to the love of my life. Miss Perry. Love you, baby.